Welcome to the On The Green Podcast, where we'll give you the latest news and events from the world of golf and spotlight golf courses from around Northeast Florida and the First Coast. We'll take you inside the ropes with interviews, strategies for playing the courses, and get a tip from the head professional. Each show will also feature an interview with a prominent golf insider. They'll share firsthand stories and insights you won't hear anywhere else. Now, here's your host of On the Green, Tim Eiley. Hello, and welcome to another edition of On the Green Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Eiley. We're coming to you from Studio Podcast Suites here in Jacksonville, Florida. You can find this podcast on your favorite podcast platform or check us out at our website, onthegreenconsulting.com. There you can also find my monthly blog, which I hope you'll enjoy. Now, this is the second installment in our series where we are taking a look back at some of the most memorable interviews and moments of the past three years of On the Green Podcast. On today's show, we're looking back at episode 17, featuring a conversation with nine-time PGA Tour winner and all-around great guy, Jay Haas. It's going to be a great show, so welcome to the 42nd edition of On the Green Podcast. Now, here are a few highlights from my conversation with nine-time PGA Tour winner, Jay Haas. Now, Jay is one of the humblest and most genuinely nice people you'll ever meet, and I really enjoyed our time together on episode 17. Now, like most of my guests, I first asked him how he got started playing golf. Let's turn our attention to how you got started in golf, and I understand that your uncle, who is also, I will call a friend, 1968 Masters champion Bob Golby, he had a hand in getting you started in the game of golf. Yeah, without question, yeah, Bob was just a driving force behind my golf uh, from a young age and uh, well into my PGA Tour career. But I guess when I was about five or six years old, he put a club in my hand. Uh, it was a Chick Harbert uh, four wood, and I still have it. It was broken in shipment uh, to him. Uh, right about the middle of the club and kind of the perfect size for me. And he uh, trimmed off the sharp edge on the shaft and he wrapped a leather grip around it and kind of showed me the grip and had some wiffle balls in the backyard. And I, I think the first lesson I had lasted me for probably six or eight years. All I tried to do was finish with my belt buckle to the target and up on my right toe. And that was kind of how he t- showed me to, to finish my swing. Now, Jay's uncle, Bob Golby, the 1968 Masters champion, was instrumental in Jay's development over the years, and he talked about that here. I learned the game a great way, too. He was playing PGA Tour golf at that time, driving most everywhere, probably. He didn't fly a lot, I guess, and not many people did back in the 50s and 60s, but he uh, he would go play a tournament, uh, you know, or go on the road for four or five weeks and come home, uh, whether he just took that week off or whatever it was. And then I'd go shag balls for him and he would say, all right, let me see your swing. And I'd hit a few. And then he'd give me a little tip, you know, whether it be more turn hands higher, you know, keep your head down longer, you know, some little simple things. Uh, and then another three or four or five weeks would go and he, we do the same thing over again. So I didn't get a steady dose of uh, lesson day after day after day, which I think sometimes can be a detriment. I think that uh, from that foundation, he, again, yeah, he, he taught fundamentals, you know, weight shift, mm-hmm. uh, you know, proper ball position. Now, Jay is also very proud to be a Wake Forest Demon Deacon. 
and shared some of his insights why he chose Wake Forest and discussed some of his time there. Well, you played uh, you played peewee golf, junior golf. Uh, you ended up winning the Illinois State High School Golf Championship, and then you went on to quite a uh, remarkable career at Wake Forest. Quite, quite a great time. In fact, I spent uh, a good deal of time on the phone this morning with Curtis Strange, <laughs> and uh, Curtis and I were teammates for three years, and we just uh, we still talk, obviously, and just just uh, had a ball. We won the NCAA twice while we were there. Curtis won individually once. I won individually once. And it was, uh, it's, I hear Curtis t- talk, uh, today that, uh, those were some of the greatest years of his life and certainly his golf life. It, it just how much fun it was. And obviously we thought we were pretty hot stuff winning these tournaments, but it was just, uh, it was a wonderful time. And, you know, you make friends in college forever, and that's kind of the way it is. I've had three or four people who I talk to at least on a weekly basis that uh, we're either in a fraternity or, or played golf with. So a, a pretty uh, a pretty fun time. Now we hear about when Jay decided he wanted to be a professional golfer and how he ended up playing Augusta National as a teenager. Well, when did you know you wanted to be a professional golfer? When did that bug hit you? You know, I think uh, probably in my early teens, I traveled a little bit with Bob, and I thought it was the greatest thing to eat breakfast. Uh, somebody fix your breakfast every day and, you know, go to the restaurant at the hotel. You didn't have to make your bed or anything like that. <laughs> I, I thought that was a great life. Little did I know that was the worst part about it, but right. uh, it was just fun traveling, and, and I, I just... Uh, you know, by that time I was getting a little bit better, certainly wasn't long or wasn't shooting in the sixties or anything, but I was, uh, you know, I was for my level, I was a decent player and, uh, you know, I just watched Bob and, uh, you know, the competition and the other players and how much fun it would be. And I, I just couldn't even imagine getting paid to do something like this. Cause this is what I, this is my love first love. And so it, uh, it, it hit me probably early on that, uh, I wanted to do it. And, but again, Bob kept saying, you know, someday you'll be out here. Uh, I remember going to, uh, visit Wake Forest with him. I went to the Greensboro tournament and he missed the cut. And he said, well, let's uh, Augusta was the next week. And he said, uh, well, let's go see Wake Forest first. And then we'll go down to Augusta. We'll play a practice round. You can follow me around. And so I did, and we got to about the fourth, fifth hole, and Bob says, well, let's see you hit one. Well, it was on a Saturday night, maybe, and nobody was out there, and I little did I know that that wasn't supposed to be done, but oh, okay. I probably, probably end up playing about the equivalent of about 10 or 12 holes that day. And I remember hitting a seven iron on the green on number 12, and he said, someday you'll love having that ball right there because you'll play here someday, son. And uh, – well, he was right on both counts because I got to play there, and uh, I wished I'd had that shot many times <laughs> on that on that hole. Very treacherous, but no doubt, uh, no doubt. Those are some those are some memories burned into my brain. Now, Jay made it on to the PGA Tour right out of college, and we find out how much he won his rookie year. And I finished seventy seventh on the money list. Uh, never forget it. And I won just over thirty one thousand uh, dollars my first year on tour. Now, to put that in perspective, $31,000 for finishing 77th on the money list, uh, times have definitely changed since then. 
2022, the average purse on the PGA Tour was $9.3 million, and 77th on the money list in 2021, he would have won over $1.6 million. So again, times change. Now Jay went on to his first victory in San Diego and shares some insights. Well, there's a few holes that really stick with me. And like you said, with a, uh, had a good feeling about the tournament just because I'd played well the previous year. And I got paired in the last group. I was leading after two rounds. I broke my driver on Tuesday. I had a graphite shafted driver that Bob had given me. And back then, graphite was kind of just on the cutting edge. Not many people used them. Mm-hmm. And ended up using a driver of his that the shaft really didn't suit me that great. Got it reshafted. Uh, and used a, uh, another graphite shafted driver in the second round and drove it all over the map and shot 64 on the North course. And that kind of got me, you know, into the hunt. And then I used his driver on the weekend, but I remember on Saturday coming, I'd kind of leaking oil and not playing great in the, in the last group for the first time ever. And I hit a three wood, probably the greatest three wood of my life over the water to a back left pin to about seven or eight feet. And I made this for Eagle and jumped back into the lead. I was one back of Gene Littler, maybe uh, Andy Bean, I think was up there. Uh, I'm trying to think there's a couple other guys that you would recognize, but um, anyway, that just got me back into, I felt like I was still, you know, in the hunt obviously and, and all that. And then just, just kind of kept it together. The, the last round. And I, I had a video of that and watched it several times. And I realized that you win for several different reasons. Number one, you're playing well. Number two, you get a lot of breaks and number three, nobody really put any pressure on me. I think those were the, the three factors there. I watched the tape and guys miss putts left and right. You know, nobody really made anything that last round to put any heat on me. And so that was just a, a life-changing experience. Uh, I'd gotten engaged the December before that, just a couple a month before that. So it was uh, it was a big time in my life and uh, changed the direction. Winning on tour kind of validates or made me believe that I could do it and I was doing the right thing and needed to continue to work hard. Obviously, but it was uh, it, it made it all worthwhile up to that point. Having a career on the PGA Tour that spanned three decades, I asked Jay what his secret was to his longevity. I think a, a couple things. I was uh, very fortunate physically. I didn't have a lot of aches and pains. My body held up very well, and I know countless players who had back issues, wrist, shoulder, elbow, knee, whatever it might be, and they lost serious time. And I never really lost much time at all with uh, with any major injuries through my career. And that helped me. And I think the second thing is not is something you can't see maybe, but it was uh, my passion for the game. I've continued to have that. I, I enjoy playing golf. I enjoy competing mostly, I guess that's the, that's the biggest part of it just to, uh, to try to hit a good golf shot under pressure uh, to do it. And the, the feeling that that gave me, uh, I think that uh, it was probably those two things, you know, and I had decent fundamentals and uh, I was a grinder, uh, hated missing cuts. Uh, it was just a, a good combination for me personally. And I think that's, that's what's kept me in the game for as long as it did. 
Now, Jay played on three Ryder Cup teams, two President's Cup teams, and I asked him about those experiences. Well, if you've ever been nervous on the golf course, I don't care what level you've played at, uh, think of that time and then multiply it by about 20. <laughs> right. And that's, uh, that's kind of what, what it feels like you know, when, you're, when you're playing for your country, for your teammates. And there's no hiding in the Ryder Cup. You know, you get you know, certain players sit each day, each session and all that. But if you're not playing well, you know, if you're not playing well in a regular tournament, you miss the cut, you go home. Sure. Nobody's, you know, no big deal. There's no pressure. You're, you're missing a cut by two or three strokes, you know, just kind of winging it. Now, if you're in the Ryder Cup and you're playing like you're missing the cut, you can't hide. You know, it's not like you can say, well, you know, mind match doesn't count. No, it counts uh, just the same as everyone. So that's the pressure, I think, that really uh, rears up in, in, in a Ryder Cup, in a President's Cup. And that when you're in also looking across at Curtis and I, we played uh, Ryder Cup, our first Ryder Cup in 83 together and begged Jack was the captain, begged him to put us together. And he finally did. And we won our point. But that was an unheard of thing. We were both rookies on that team. It was our first team. We weren't rookies on the tour, but that was our first international match. And so he was, you know, a little skeptical about putting us together. Uh, but but we did it, and we didn't know any better. Hell, we were just coming off and wasn't too, too too far removed from college, and right. we beat everybody. So what the hell, we could do it again. But it's just uh, it's just a different animal, and it wouldn't trade any of it. He was tapped as the President's Cup captain in 2015, and it was really a special honor for Jay. Well, no, I won't say a dream come true because I could have never dreamt anything quite like that. I was the assistant captain. Uh, to Fred couples for three separate president's cups. And we had the best time. We won all three, uh, had some great laughs and just, uh, Fred's, uh, probably my best buddy out there and just, uh, love hanging with him. And we actually played in the legends of golf one time in Savannah and didn't, didn't win. I brought him down to my level, I guess, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but that was uh, that was very very special. And then those three years, you know, Fred was kind of done with that, and I'd kind of forgotten about you know going forward. And probably six months or so after the third time that we had done it, uh, Tim Fincham called me, and yeah, I didn't know what the hell he was going to ask me or talk about or anything. But he he asked me about being the captain of the Presidents Cup team. I was just blown away. And and his son Bill, who was a captain's pick that year ended up securing the winning point for the United States. How cool was it to have his son on the team, you ask? Here's Jay. Yeah, that was uh, not not really that planned, although I will say Bill was playing very well that week. Uh, he, had, uh, he had played well prior to that. He, I think they'd split maybe a, uh, he, he won a match and, um, and tied a match prior to that. But anyway, we... we uh, got down to the last several and Bill's name's still in there. And so we're thinking, well, at the same time, Bill's, uh, you know, new to this a little bit, but, uh, he's playing really well. You know, he hits, I'm so proud of him thinking back at, on it, uh, all that pressure, the 18 poles, a dog leg, right around water, uh, right is not his favorite uh, shot or that's where he seems to 
have issues sometimes hitting the driver to the right a little bit. So it was a very tough drive for him. And the thing was, if he, uh, if he tied the last hole, he was one up. If he ties the last hole, he wins the match and we win the, win the cup. If he loses the last hole, he ties his match and the matches are, are, are even. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was all right there and numbers were on the leaderboard and everything. Uh, and he ended up, uh, you know, making a birdie, won the hole, one, two up, uh, to see his teammates, you know, come on the green and give him a hug. And, uh, I couldn't talk. Uh, literally I was, uh, so emotional about it. Jan and I were looking at each other, tears in our eyes. And then Roger Mulpey came up and said, all right, we're going to a commercial, uh, then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, this last match. And I said, Roger, I don't think I can do it, you know? <laughs> and so finally he asked me a question about it and I kind of had a little, like a squeak came out of my mouth. You know, I don't know. I just couldn't even think. And I was just uh, so, so emotional. And I think any parent uh, can, can really, or, or, or visualize that or, or, you know, relate to that because uh, you want your kids to do well. You, uh, you know, on this grand stage, obviously, I was rooting for Bill the whole way, but I was rooting for everybody. They all felt like my sons. I asked Jay to offer his opinion about how Tiger changed the game when he burst onto the scene in 1996. You know, I think that uh, uh, many, many ways, I think uh, he made golf cool again, I guess. He was uh, this good looking guy with a big smile, great golf swing. And he just never knew what might happen when he was uh, had a club in his hand and was near the lead in a tournament. Some of the shots that he was pulling off. And I, I think he just got so many people so excited about the game. Uh, and so but he set the bar so high, it was almost like, uh, you know, how how are we going to do this? But you saw more people uh, getting more fit, uh, more uh, very strong. And mm -hmm. I think that, I think that certain players were strong. I think Arnold was an amazingly strong guy, you know, in his heyday, but I don't think he, he touched the first weight. Right. Uh, Jack, Jack was, uh, you know, one of the longest hitters in, in the game, uh, at that, in that era and probably would have been going through whenever his prime would have been, he would have still been, uh, one of the longest, if not the longest hitter. So there were power players and everything, but no one who looked quite like Tiger did what he, the way he transformed his body. And so I think that uh, has carried over and you see so many young players in the gym. Uh, you know, you look at uh, DJ now, number one player in the world. Uh, he looks like uh, what a strapping specimen he is. Huh? He just got this right. sinewy walk and swagger and just, pounds it and uh you know bryson now with the, his distance and his strength and if you think back about david duvall and he was hanging with tiger a lot and remade himself physically and became number one in the world so uh, i think that he tiger basically uh debunked the myth of uh, you, you can't lift weights, you know, you have to right. have your touch and all that. And so I think that's how he changed it uh, as much as anything. Now, Jay is an 18 time winner on PGA tour champions and shared his thoughts on the differences between the PGA tour and PGA tour champions. 
the different one of the differences you can come on Tuesday and uh, fire a gun on the practice tee and probably not hit anybody. That's one thing. <laughs> Most of the players start their day their week on Wednesday there in the right. pro-am or something right. like that. Uh, and I don't think it's nearly as intense uh, from A to Z, uh, from one to seventy-eight. You know, the guys are certainly out there grinding and and. Uh, you know, it's, it's what they want to do and they're trying to win the golf tournament and everything. However, if they don't get it done that week, it's not as uh, devastating as it was in our twenties. And I asked Jay how much longer he plans to play competitively. You know, I, I guess I feel like I want to play until uh, my best is a 75. If, if I play as good as I can play and I'm shooting 73, four, five, six, then I don't want to do that. I don't want to mm-hmm. go play just to say I'm in a tournament, right? If I can shoot 67s and 68s and, you know, kind of get in there a little bit, then, uh, you know, I can't do it every week probably, but I, I think, uh, I didn't play great this year, uh, played okay early on. But uh, end of the year, kind of poorly after we restarted. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. So I don't want to end with that. Uh, I think I've got a little bit more of a run in me here. So I'm going to give it one more uh, shot probably this year and uh, see how things go. But uh, I love to compete. Like we said earlier, I I just uh, enjoy getting out there and hitting a good shot. Now, as we all know, behind every great man is a greater woman. And his wife, Jan, is no exception. You know, my biggest fan, my, you know, the person that says you need to go out there and practice and you can do this. And she, I guess you could, might say she took over from Bob of being uh, my sports psychologist almost <laughs> and keeping, keeping me going and keeping me believing in myself. No one quite like her that I've ever met. So you just, I just can't ever say enough about her and she, I owe everything in my life uh, to her. It, it's just been uh, I say the the game has been a blessing, but she has been indescribable of uh, what she's meant to me. Now, when Jay's not playing golf, you can usually find him at the Haas Family Golf Center in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, just one thing led to another. Uh, John Gehring, who's a 86 year old pro, John's brother Jim was a golf pro at Muirfield Village in uh, Dublin where we played the Memorial tournament for, I don't know, 25 or 30 years. And so the Gehring family has been in golf. Uh, Jim is married to Kathy Kratzer Gehring, who Kathy played the LPGA tour for a while, Mm -hmm. but he and I got to talking a little bit and one thing led to another and we got some other investors and we bought this range uh, about three years ago, I guess. We've, uh, we've tried to improve it. It's not uh, tin cup, but it's not Augusta <laughs> national yet, <laughs> but we have some great, uh, great visions or I do anyway. It's just the visions come with a big price tag. So oh, we're doing it. We're doing it. Uh, uh, you know, I won't say we're doing it slowly, but uh, we didn't just blink all at once and change everything over. So uh, we've, we've improved it. It's uh, it's right. It, I don't. It takes me seven minutes from my house to get there. Uh, it's on a great street. Uh, we've got 24 acres. We've got grass. We've got uh, double decker mats. Um, got a nice pro shop. We have club champion. The club fitter has come in uh, this year and has uh, has a bay uh, that they're doing 
their fittings in, and we're building a building that's uh, going to have two more bays that they will move into, and someday maybe we could teach out of that building. So we've uh, we've made some good improvements, and again, I see I see all the warts, I guess, and so I, I want it to be better than it is, and it will be someday. But uh, I get some good comments from people. Uh, love what you've done to it. Appreciate it. Uh, think guys that have been coming there for for those thirty years, and uh, they just uh, they can't believe how nice it is. So we're uh, we're doing our best, and it's somewhere that you know when I do stop playing. Uh, I can go hang my hat and hang out and tell them how good I used to be. <laughs> but uh, my son, Jay Jr., is uh, teaching there and does a great job. Uh, you know, Bill's still got quite a ways to go yet, but uh, he comes out every now and then and practices. And so the, the Haas family, uh, I guess that's kind of in the, in the title of the, of the, of the place. Uh, but I think that that's, that's important. I think we want it to be, everyone's family you know i want everybody's family to come out there not just uh, not just ours now we didn't cover everything during this highlight show obviously so to hear more from jay tune into episode 17 on your favorite podcast platform or go to my website on the we'll be right back Well, that's all the time we have for this show. I really appreciate you listening and hope you let all of your friends and colleagues know about the show as well. And don't be shy about submitting a review of the show on Google or your favorite podcast platform. Now, I hope you enjoyed the second highlight show of our series as we look back at the first three years of On the Green Podcast. Thank you again to all of my guests for taking time to be on the show over the years. All 42 shows can be found on your favorite podcast platform or at my website, onthegreenconsulting.com. And if you have ideas for future shows, please send me an email, tim at onthegreenconsulting.com. I'm your host, Tim Eiley, and until next time, try to keep it in the short grass. Mm-hmm.